0: This
1: episode of Blue Breakaway is brought to you by, as always, our Patreon subscribers couldn't do without you. Honestly, couldn't. If you want to become a subscriber today, you can go to patreon.com slash support the cause, support this podcast, which never stops and posts every single Tuesday for the last four years. Jeez. Uh, got an actual sponsor today. We're selling out. You'll hear about that on the podcast. And we have an amazing interview with Jillian Kemmerer. Kemmerer? That's, I say it correctly when we did the interview. It's awesome. Honestly, one of the funniest interviews I think we've ever had in the podcast, uh, talking about a lot of wild KHL stories. So, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we are one week officially away from watching Kako, praise be, praise be, play hockey. Join me as we welcome Mark Messier to introduce the podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers
2: podcast.
1: Welcome to another week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, as per always, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello and let me tell you a story.
2: I, I won't even say anything. I'll so, just let you tell a story. Just, just
1: say hello. Give the fans what they want.
2: They like it when I don't say hello.
1: That's actually true. Um, I spend too much time in Philadelphia, which is an issue as itself. Uh, we'll see if mm-hmm. I spend more, time, more time there in the future. I, You know, it's tough for me, but I, I, I spend a lot of time in Philly. And I shut down a bar last night because why not? It's Labor Day. You're partying, right? So I'm a little, I'm pulling a Greg, a tad hungover and podcasting. But I took maybe the best Uber ride I've ever taken in my life in Philadelphia, Greg. And I'm going to tell you why. I, I
2: already know that this, I already know that you think this was the best Uber ride of your entire life. And uh, I, I know for a fact that it's it's not, it's it's going to be bad.
1: It was very fun. Uh, No, I think it was really legitimately fun. I called, sure. I called an Uber. And it said, Greg uh-huh. Greg is coming to pick you up. And I was like, hmm, nope, okay. I did not. I know, I know. And underneath Greg, it says, Greg speaks, speaks, and then it named every language possible. Vietnamese, Chinese, Indian, Hebrew. He spoke everything. So I got in, and Greg was a cool-ass guy. And I was like, hey, Greg, do you speak Vietnamese? He's like, no, nah, man, I was just high as hell when I made that list. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? He's like, yeah. He's like, sometimes I get high, and I thought it would be cool to get tips if I spoke all these languages and I was like Greg that's not how that works man and he immediately was like yeah but everyone asks me about it and he was a super nice guy and in the middle of it he started talking about his shoe collection and how much he loves shoes so I don't know anything about sneaker games I own like two pairs of shoes Greg I don't know anything I'm terrible at sneakers but I like I've seen some shoes on reddit and you know like some things could be cool I guess and I was like, hey, man, could you tell me a little bit more about your sneakers? And as he's driving, he takes his shoe off. And he's like, look at these. I got them at Walmart for $25. bucks. they are high quality. He was the best, most entertaining Uber driver I've ever had. I, when he took his shoe off, I literally was like, I looked at Diana, who's the girl I'm seeing. Uh, in, or I guess my girlfriend, whatever. Shout-outs to my girlfriend. Uh, in, in, in the car itself, we were like, did he just take off his shoe as he's driving his Uber? I've never tipped an Uber driver $5 than I did yesterday. There you go. That's the whole story.
2: Okay, here's how I know you're a psychopath. Okay. Oh, you're right. I mean, more, than, more, more so than normal. Okay, you just explain explain to me your best Uber drive ever. Greg was hilarious, and it involved it involved a conversation with your driver. I've never been in an Uber. Even the nicest people in the world who are Uber drivers, I don't go in an Uber looking for a conversation. This is a service business, baby. I'm just here for you to take me from one place to another, and let's get there with Ed. The least amount of communication is possible.
1: Uh, I, there should be an option on Uber where it's like quiet zone where you click it. And it's like, don't talk. But this like started my night out so appropriately. And I was like, I,
2: oh, you weren't to... even drunk. You were sober doing this.
1: Yeah. This is sober. This was like five. Oh my God. You're PM. too much. Okay.
2: <laughs> you're, you're too much.
1: It was the start of my night. It was wonderful. Greg was from, God damn it. Greg was from New York. He was a, a wonderful dude.
2: For the love of God, just like. Be quiet for five minutes. <laughs> if, if you, could, I know you can't do that now. This is speaking media. It's literally but, what I'm
1: supposed to do here.
2: Oh my god. Okay. Just miserable. Speaking of Philadelphia.
1: Yes. Oh.
2: I had I had an epiphany yesterday. Yeah. Uh for <laughs> it's Mets related, but it's also not exactly Mets related.
1: Oh, I guess now's the time to say this. Um, welcome to the number one New York Rangers podcast, which is yes. away. We'll be talking all things Obviously. New York Rangers. You know what- uh, what Mark
2: said previously. Yes,
1: it. Uh, and today we'll be announcing our new sponsor who sponsors us because we're a Ranger podcast. Or oh, keep going.
2: Right. I had an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I give a lot of shits about the Mets. Probably too many, you would say. Would you? I think you would. Yep. I, I, I care too deeply about this team, but something happened to me yesterday. The Mets were going for a sweep of my just loathed Philadelphia Phillies. No, no, no. Professional organization in the world, including ISIS, I hate more than the Philadelphia Phillies. Classic ISIS. Uh, going for the sweep, where the Mets would also, I get, I think, get within I think it was three games or two and a half games of the wild card again. That's correct.
1: It would be two and a half games. I watched the game.
2: I don't know if it was because the game was on ESPN and I just couldn't fucking stand Alex Rodriguez and Matt Vaskergian and Jessica Mendoza. Anymore, so I was already mentally checked out of the game because I just didn't want to listen to those guys anymore. I don't know if it was because I just assumed the worst was going to happen as soon as Mickey Calloway, the fucking moron that he is, has fucking Luis Guillaume bunt with nobody out in the eighth inning, playing as if the just why are you playing for a tie on the you know, I that that's a rant. Well, I'll say for the end, Let's it's say for just the like end, stupid please. baseball, yes, it, it's again, it, it but I, I realized something. I was paying closer attention to um, oh, who the fuck were the White, white Sox-Braves game. Wait, why? Because I had I had under nine and a half. Oh,
1: okay. And I
2: gave a, I, I gave a lot of shits about that. And then as soon as that game was over, I, the second game in my parlay was the under in Reds-Cardinals. And I gave more of a shit about that. I didn't give a shit. M- Mickey Calloway has taken the joy out of being – he's even taken the frustration out of being a Med fan. That's how just ridiculously untalented Mickey Calloway is. He's made me—I don't want to say indifferent because I still obviously give a shit about the Mets. But oh yeah, like, we're
1: here right now. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just—I I just know Mickey is going to fuck it up in some way, shape, or form. So I just assume they've lost every game, and when they win, it's a surprise. I. And then when they lose, it's like, yeah, no, they—they should have. Because fuck Mickey Calloway.
1: I had, like I said, I had the pleasure of being in Philadelphia and watching that game at a bar, uh-huh. which I've. I've one of which I spent many times. I went to many bars last night. I'm just bragging at this point. Okay. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. I uh, went to bed early.
1: I could literally picture your face and your hand movements watching that game. It was like you were sitting next to me. I didn't have to have you there, but I felt your presence.
2: I was, that's I- that's the crazy thing, Ryan. I I I don't even think I reacted to the Ghi- the Ghiorme bun is the thing that hindsight pisses me off the most because you have first and second nobody out in a two to one ball game in the eighth inning. And you understand as as a normal person would. You should understand that your bullpen is fucking garbage. With Seth Lugo is unavailable, and he was unavailable because he pitched two innings the night before. And then, Jared- so the fact that you're playing mm-hmm. for the tie on the road against the Phillies is is just the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But in the moment, Ryan, I didn't react. I didn't. I looked back down at my phone, which had the. Um, MLB at bat app game cast of White Sox Braves. And I was getting a little angry that Freddie Freeman made it five, three, which made it eight runs. And the under over under was nine and a half. And then, um, I think Josh Donaldson grounded into a double play. And then within 30 minutes after that, Harrison Bader threw Michael Lorenzen out at home. This
1: is now the official best baseball podcast. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I, (laughs) Ryan, in the moment, I didn't react. I expected, as soon as Calloway made that bunt, I was like, fantastic. You bring Daniel Zamora in to pitch to Bryce Harper, and then Familia just does what he does and lights everything on fire. It's just, it, Mickey Calloway. I need the Mets to miss the playoffs because I need Mickey Calloway out of my life.
1: Well, that's probably going to happen. Anyway. I, uh,
2: it w- I would be stunned if it, if it happened any other way. But this also brings us to Tony D'Angelo, which brings us to the New York Rangers.
1: Oh, okay. This uh, Before you get to that, this will be the last week we have without actual game analysis. Is that insane? It's been... The last time we watched a hockey game, we're going to watch a little bit of Traverse City. Not all of it. Of course not. I might. I might try. Oh, speaking of which, I'll be in Vegas for the next 10 days or whatever, in the next 7 days. A lot, of, so, a lot of speaking of which
2: coming from you right now.
1: Yeah, starting... Uh, that's true. Um, Starting Thursday, I'll be in Vegas for 7 days. If anyone wants to hang out, text me. Um, But... Let's go to Tony D'Angelo. I saw you retweeted something he said about the, uh, the best team in New York, the New York Yankees.
2: <laughs> it's just Tony's an unabashed Philly fan, right? He loves his Eagles. He loves his Phillies. He's from South Jersey. He's a piece of shit. All these things, <laughs> like he checks every box. It, it's really remarkable. So, of course, Tony D'Angelo, who hasn't been able to read a room since the age of six because that's when he was last able to fucking read. Tony come, on the something...
1: Tony, come on the podcast. Tony, come on the podcast. Yeah, come on the
2: podcast. and Defend yourself, P. Boy. Uh, anyway, he he says like you know I'm not. He tweeted something like let's go let's go Phillies and then hashtag beat the Mets. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know half of a Ranger fan base reacted to him saying beat the Mets. I don't I don't need everyone in New York to be uh, every New York athlete doesn't need to be a Met or Yankee fan or even supportive of the Mets or Yankees. It's fine. The Yankees are clearly the better team. No one, you don't need me to sit here and tell you that they're the first team in baseball to get the fucking ninety wins. They also have, oh, I don't know, twenty-seven World Championships, also including, twenty-seven. Oh, I don't know,
1: twenty-seven guys on the IL currently, and they're still doing. Yeah, they
2: also have a championship over the Mets. By the way, the one time they met in the World Series, like we're not breaking news here to say that the Yankees are better than the Mets. They're also more enjoyable because they win, which uh, you know that helps but like people getting angry at D'Angelo I didn't get angry at D'Angelo D'Angelo's a piece of shit that's exactly what I expect a piece of shit to say at all times like it'd be it'd be one thing if like Mika Zibanejad who I don't think has ever said a bad word in his entire life
1: no he seems super got tough. on Twitter
2: one day it was like yo fuck the Mets I'd be like whoa that seems unnecessary but when Tony D'Angelo wakes up in the morning I expect him to just like poop Poop! You just, like you expect
1: Tony to wake up and take a shit? Is what you're asking?
2: Everything. just take a shit on my feelings. Like he's the most. I, I, the funny thing is, I got thinking about that tweet right, mm-hmm. and because it was my time, my timeline did a thing where it was just like, "Here's Tony D'Angelo saying stupid bullshit," and then here's New York Rangers stats and prospects saying, "Oh, by the way, Keandre Miller had three assists for Wisconsin in their exhibition Ooh, game today." Baby, and and it immediately got me thinking, uh, and this transitions us perfectly to. Everybody and their mother writing an article about how Brendan Lemieux and Tony D'Angelo just don't have any fucking leverage in negotiations.
1: They do not. That's it. Well, I got a question
2: for you. I got a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. Should the Rangers ever sign Tony D'Angelo to an extension?
1: What do you mean? Like it, forever? Like if when the time comes? When he's... Well, just... When, had, when we no, had the option. Cons-
2: consider, consider everything now, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously this offseason, the Rangers are going to have to give him a one-year deal. They don't really have any kind of wiggle room to do anything besides they give him the qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. So we're, now we're talking about, all right, do we give Tony D'Angelo an extension next year? Mind you, we're saying, do we give Tony D'Angelo an extension when we have a year of understanding of Adam Fox, a year of understanding of uh, our boy, Libra hijack, hijack a, a year of understanding of Igor Rykov. I would be stunned if one, if not both, of Niels Lundquist and Keandre Miller signed their entry-level contracts next summer, all of a sudden, we, we I started realizing a fact. Does Tony D'Angelo have a long-term place on the New York Rangers? I think the answer
1: is no. It's funny you mentioned that. I haven't really thought about the future of Tony D'Angelo, and I have a, such a crap cop-out answer to this, which doesn't make me feel too great about it, but... When you look at Tony D'Angelo and and his his work over the past half season, a lot of it was pretty impressive. But I think this season will be sort of the deciding factor of Tony D'Angelo. I can't make a decision yet. Yeah, there's a lot of depth there, Uh, finally, on the defensive side for the Rangers. Maybe Tony isn't the best long-term answer. But I just don't see a way we wouldn't bridge deal him if he does have a successful season. I just think that happens. But
2: the thing is... Do the Rangers even... My question is, do the Rangers even have to? Because think about it. Let, let, let's play this game, right? Sure. So we know Jacob Troop is going to be here for the long haul. Yeah, eight years. No denying that. Seven, sorry. It would be... Would, Is there a scenario where you're actually... Is it realistic to expect Tony D'Angelo to be more important to the Rangers' long-term future than Adam Fox? Or... The... Of the possibilities where Tony D'Angelo turns out to be the better defenseman than Adam Fox, most of them involve Fox failing than they do D'Angelo taking his game to a level we find hard to achieve, if even possible, right? Yes. It's so so I and and I think we would say with the amount of I feel like underrated buzz Niels Lundqvist has been getting recently. There is a, in three, within the next three years, I think we're saying Tony D'Angelo is the fourth most important right-handed defenseman the New York Rangers have in their system. Probably. So if they, and and, and that's just within the next three years. So what is the point of ever giving Tony D'Angelo a long-term extension? The point is, shouldn't the Rangers just be playing year to year with him?
1: They will be playing year to year, but uh, no, they won't be playing year to year. They're going to two-year bridge him, and then they'll make the decision.
2: But why even two-year bridge him? Just keep giving him one-year deal. You're not required by law to
1: bridge a restricted free agent. Just keep fucking taking him on one-year deals. I think that this comes to, like, yes, could that happen? Absolutely. But this is, like, one of those unwritten rules that's probably. That probably needs to be addressed when we have that wonderful lockout that comes, right?
2: That- Ryan, the New York Rangers bought out a defenseman who took a hometown discount to come play for them. That's a good thing. you think point. they give a shit about unwritten rules?
1: They should, a little bit, but I guess Why? not. Why should they? It's well, better for business just to keep doing one-year deals for Tony D'Angelo. It's uh, it's really hard to keep that relationship up if that's the case. I mean, then he probably leaves did, and end of the good.
2: I don't think the New York Rangers are too concerned with the relationship with Tony D'Angelo is my point. And why should they be? Well, he's, you're he's, right.
1: You're right. They they shouldn't be because well, he tr- was started out there last year like you know kind of a guy that was troubled and was benched a lot. But he showed still a lot. Troubled, of, by the show, way. He's yeah. st- again, he's still an asshole. Well, like the whole reason. I, I didn't why, think Tony like worked on his asshole game this summer. I didn't think Tony was like in the gym six days a week working on his personality. That's not something I thought Tony DiMaggio did. But, upon- no, but-
2: he, like when we, when we think about it, right, when we absolutely think about it, this is a guy who flunked his way out of two organizations, was on his last legs in the New York Rangers organization, had a better year than any of us expected him to have. Absolutely.
1: A much better but year.
2: But I, I, I would be stunned if Tony D'Angelo was ever part of the Rangers' core moving forward. I just don't see which
1: it. I, I think Niels. I'll just go with that. Uh, won't be ready in You time. can't say
2: Lundquist? I can. It's literally the same last name as I, some guy that plays I just didn't rings. want to
1: confuse people with the goalie and the defenseman prospect. That's all. Um, I, I don't think people have that problem. Okay, fine. I'm sorry to everyone for judging your intelligence.
0: You uh, should.
1: Yes. So I, I don't think Niels would be ready in three years. I think he'll still be... You
2: don't think Neil Glunquist is going to be ready in three
1: years? I think he'll. that's when he will be ready, and that's when Tony will leave. I think we after this year, we'll do a two-year bridge deal with Tony. And then after that, we'll say goodbye.
2: I don't even think you need to do... Because at that point, you're bridging... You're, this is the same problem the Rangers got in with fucking Jimmy Vc, and I hated it. Even then, you're going to bridge a guy you expect to be a third-pairing defender for you? Because after this season, it, this year, ease in Adam Fox. Give him as much rope as he wants see what he does, maybe put him a couple games in Hartford. But after this season, given where the Rangers want to be, if Adam Fox isn't a top four defenseman in 2020, something went wrong along the way. If Adam Fox isn't getting more time, not this upcoming season, but next season, then Tony D'Angelo, that's a problem for the New York Rangers. Because that means, once again, that they failed to identify a – defenseman that can log serious minutes in the nhl on a contending team because i don't think that's tony d'angelo i don't think that'll ever be tony d'angelo and i don't see a reason why the rangers should ever get into bed with tony d'angelo long term it, it it no longer makes sense they've put themselves in a better position where d'angelo to them is superfluous the problem is oh greg relax I, the problem is a guy like that is not exactly superfluous because I don't think other teams want him.
1: I, I still, and this is, again, I feel like you're making an amazing argument here. You're really doing a great job. But to me, I, I cannot. I, <laughs> this all this all started
2: because that asshole said something about the Mets <laughs> and it got me fucking thinking about him long term. And I was like, Oh! I don't have to give a shit about this motherfucker for a long time. He's not important. Okay. And uh, I think that's the most insulting thing I could ever say about someone.
1: Probably. Now, I just don't think we can make that decision until we see how Tony evolves this year. If he takes another step forward in this game, which I thought was already pretty potent uh, in his uh, offensive potential, and the steps he took forward last year were impressive, I think we're going to see a lot more of Tony D'Angelo over the next few years. But there's a good chance that doesn't happen. and He ends up in the Quinn bin and he stops playing. And then Mark Stahl just stays here forever. That's <laughs> We re Mark Stahl. So I don't think that happens. But we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, just, we'll have to D- see what D'Angelo, happens with Tony
2: D. There's, there's no player on the Rangers roster. I think the Rangers should go year to year with more than Tony D'Angelo. Don't bridge him. Don't give him a long-term deal. Just every every offseason be like, all right, we're ready to do a one-year contract. You you tell us if that's something you want to do. And if some team walks in and's like, oh, we'll give you a draft pick for Tony D'Angelo, the New York Rangers should be like, Thank you for the free draft pick. Can we have another? I don't think... Okay.
1: Uh, uh, This is hard. I don't think Tony is like that sort of expendable person.
2: I I think he's the definition of it.
1: How? He does have... He has like a large amount of upside at least. You're not going to get that uh, like offensive defenseman upside really anywhere. That's like like one of the hardest things to find in the league.
2: Yeah, you haven't exactly talked about his ability to actually play defense, though, which is still suspect. Which is, when you're a defenseman, I think, more than half of what you need to do.
1: It's probably more than half. It's probably yeah, on the... It's like,
2: Michael, Michael, as previously mentioned on this podcast, Michael Lorenzen, pretty talented hitter. Not a great pitcher. And when you're a pitcher, doesn't fucking matter what you can do at the plate. If you can't get guys out, I don't care if you
1: can hit 250. Everyone can hit 250. Well, if you want to go see Tony D'Angelo this year, Craig,
0: mm.
1: do you know how you're going to do it?
2: Uh, through our sponsors. Through at our tick- new
1: sponsor. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We've sold out. Blue Shirts Breakaway is selling the fuck out, and that is this will be the first time in are season-long sponsors. If you're looking to go to a game this year, our friends over at TickPick, literally, a website that Greg and I have used for many years. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. This isn't me, like, actually just telling you about TickPick because it's so wonderful. First thing about TickPick you should know. No fees. Do you know that, Greg? Uh, you uh,
2: can... can I give you, yes. before you go into, can I give you a Greg's Tales from TickPick?
1: Yeah, sure. This, this Two weekends This ago. is sponsored by TickPick. There you go.
2: Two weekends ago, Mets Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Mets coming off. I think they would at four in a row at that point. Uh, They were in the verge of sweeping the Cleveland Indians. I wanted to go to game Saturday with a friend. I looked at the just the Mets team store. I looked at StubHub. I looked everywhere. I got tickets. For $59, and when it says $59, Ryan, it's, it means, it means $59. $59. Because, Gregory. No fees added, no nothing, no taxes. is has what, 100%. The price on the page is what you pay.
1: That's true. Jeez, that, you did a great job there. TickPick you, has you, 100% verified tickets for any sports, concerts, or even theater shows. Want to see Hamilton? TickPick. Go to the marketplace for all Ranger tickets. Seriously, mm. any tickets this season. TickPick's got the best deals, and they'll tack on additional service fees. You see the number. No fees. Hashtag no fees. You could save no up fees. you could save 10 to 50% on every stinking ticket order. If you want to open your DMs, I will send you a TickPick today. TickPick is our official sponsor of Bush's Breakaway for the entire New York Rangers season. Okay. Yeah.
2: And uh, next time you guys use TickPick, take a screenshot, send, send us those. proof of purchase, I got stickers with oh, your names on it. Nice. I'll send you
1: Stickers. Yeah, Tick Pick's awesome. We, we're, I know it sounds like we're selling out and we are. We absolutely oh, 100%. are. 100%. Yeah. But 100%. we,
2: the, uh, we legitimately uh, have
1: friends at TickPick and they do a good job. So
2: the irony in us saying that TickPick charges no fees, we charge Tick a fee. So <laughs> thank you, Tick <Tick-Pick.
1: laughs> Thank you, TickPick. Uh, they're going to be working with us for a bunch of different things. There is, uh, it, it is going to be fun. 200, uh, I guess now is more sponsor stuff. Sign up for a Patreon if you'd like, patreon.com slash push the And if you're free, September 14th, uh, 3 o'clock, 3 p.m., The Gin Mill, New York City, our 200th live show. 200th episode ever! Uh, So come join me, Greg and Bush Banter, for a fun little afternoon where it'll be you and two other people that show up. All right. uh, Other Ranger news. There really isn't any. Artemi Panarin continues to be sort of a dynamite person on social media. He's awesome. I just—he's such a fun guy to root for. I cannot wait to root for him. I'm waiting for Traverse City. I wanted to ask you something about gambling. I know. I know, Greg. Hold on. Oh, my. So, I'm assuming you've been to Las Vegas. I or, have been. Okay. Did you bet at the Westgate? No. Okay. is That's like this sports book, though, right? Because that's where I'm staying. I believe,
2: I believe so. But I, I was there, I believe it was two full years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, more than that. It was three years ago. My buddy got married in Vegas. They actually planned a wedding. In Vegas. And the sports book I went to was just the one inside the Mandalay Bay.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, Mandalay Bay is where I stayed last time. Uh, this time I'm staying at the West uh, the West Gate. And I really – and talk me out of this if you can. Okay. I want to bet the Islanders under very badly.
2: Well, what is their under is the
1: question. I believe it was like 94.
2: I believe I gave you a website where you can check.
1: That's true. I will do that right now. Uh, but the two things I'm looking to bet while I'm there is – Capocaco, Lord and Savior for praise be, for the Calder. And then also uh betting the under for the island. Yeah, and
2: I would I would say we talked about this a bit as I'm gonna fill airtime as you look up You're so good the odds. But we had so Travis cute. Yost on earlier this summer, and the thing I told you that didn't make any sense to me were uh the Carolina hurricanes coming at I think at that time ten to one or worse, or twenty to one to win the East. Uh and that seemed outrageous. And Absolutely,
1: and... especially because they're so stinking good. I can Yeah, 10,
2: 10 to 1 oh, wouldn't no. be outrageous. It must have been 20 to 1, because I remember looking at it and being like, what the fuck? And I think I waited too long to go to my local sports book and try and make that bet, and it didn't work.
1: Oh, really? It's gone now?
2: Yeah, well, it's just not 20 to 1 anymore. Like, missed, the odds are much improved.
1: I'm still trying yeah. to find... I'm so bad at betting and finding things online, despite you literally giving me a website. Do you? Okay, all right. Fine, so you, I'm you, on it. I'm you, on it. I'm you, on it. I'm you go, on. You feel, go you ahead. Feel. So the... The bets I'm also looking to make, other than Capococco, Calder, uh, I guess this is another time. I'm sorry for all the plugs today. We're going to be releasing our over-under podcast for NFL, which we do every single year. Like, it's just a little bonus podcast because Greg, like, Greg and I like doing it. So that'll be coming out we sure do. Wednesday. Um, but uh, I've listened to our, my podfather, Bill Simmons. It, I, I can't Rams and Patriots to make the playoffs parlay is like the sweetest idea of all time. It just feels like free money. Yeah, it just I would feels agree. it just feels free money. So I I think Kako has a nice shot, especially because you know again he's literally a deity. To uh, so win the Calder, I just don't see how the Islanders. Once you give me that number, probably go over. And uh, betting the Rams and Patriots just feels like the freest money of all time. So those are my three bets for the literal year I'm looking to make because I'm not a betting man. Somehow, did you end up finding it, Gregory?
2: I do. I'm I'm scrolling. Okay. I'm looking for you, buddy. A man. The things I do. A man scrolls. New York Islanders uh 86 and a half that's a pretty low number
1: oh 86 now man we missed our yeah, shot they're actually
2: yeah and they're um straight up to make the playoffs bet mm-hmm. the no is minus 157 so this means everyone expects the islanders to miss the playoffs and be one of the worst teams in the east so i think i think you uh we missed our shot you missed the I'll, I'll tell you the rangers right now the rangers by comparison is 85 and a half
1: Boy, that That's feels, it. It feels like an over, but it feels close. It's a good and a half. I would not bet. I would not it, touch that it, over. No, years. it's just too – it's it's a good number. Like, Vegas it's has it right. It's a great number. Vegas has it totally um, right for the for the Rangers.
2: Do, do, do. Do you want to give me another team? Well, what's the Hurricanes now that I mentioned it? Yeah, well, now, I'm we're, sure now if, we're here. Well, actually, should we just look at the Devils and finish it out? Yeah. The Devils was, are 80, 89 and a half. Really? And they're about – they're even money. It's a 50-50 bet, basically, to uh, bet on them to make or miss the playoffs.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. I would well,
2: probably bet on them to miss the playoffs if I had to.
1: While you do that, I, uh, I will do our uh, – we'll refinish we with gambling because we're going to do our five-star then get to our guest. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Five-star question of the week. We have one. If you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to our iTunes leave a five-star well, question. Is it is one
2: American
1: five-star question? It is an American one, but I did check if we had uh, any uh, non-American ones. We do not. It's – I don't know if you guys play fantasy hockey. I don't. Greg, I know you did. But,
2: uh I did
1: but it says here uh if if we were to target someone on the Rangers besides Zobinjad and Panarin, who should it yep. be? Now, this is from Roselle Seven. I am a big fantasy person for baseball and football, but if I had to guess, I think you could get really good value on Pavel Butchnevich that would be i, my would, guess. I was
2: gonna say I was gonna say him as well because again, as fun as it is to imagine Kravtsov and Kako getting top line minutes with guys like Zibitjad and Panarin Mm -hmm. we have enough of a track record to know with David Quinn that he's not just going to gift a rookie playing time he's going to make Kako and Krasov earn their minutes I would be more surprised if both of those guys started in the top six than I would be if they started in the bottom six and I guess if you wanted but never seems like the obvious guy I think the guy we haven't talked enough about this summer and I don't think it's unfair it's just so much other stuff has happened i think we've kind of overlooked the fact that the guy who's going to be centering the rangers second line this year is going to be Phillip Edel.
1: and he looks and he looks a lot older i don't know if you saw the social media videos he's pretty he's pretty <laughs> jacked and he looks like significantly older from last year
2: i i saw him because he's working out with our new defender of the podcast libra hijack um but we we forget we i i feel like we've kind of overlooked it a little bit we've been so excited about The pure rookies. We've Mm -hmm. been excited about Panarin. We've had a lot to discuss in regards to Bucnevich, but Philip Hedl is going to be the Rangers' second line center, and whether he's going to produce at a even Kevin Hayes clip is yet to be seen. But he's going to get the minutes. So if if you wanted to just bet on which young player is got the most guaranteed, I think I think it's a safer assumption to say Hedl will average more time on ice this year than Bucnevich because. Butchenevich is going to move up and down the lineup again. Who, besides Hedl, would get second-line minutes? B- Brett Howden? Are you kidding me?
1: No, Brett so Howden's not you, doing if, that.
2: It, 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 if you wanted to make a bet just based purely on ice time, I think Philip Heedle might actually be the guy. Because, also, think think about it, right? Zibanejad and Panarin, we think, are going to be tied to the hip. Chris Kreider is going to start the year with the New York Rangers, which means he's probably playing with Hedl. And... Kako's going to get time with Hito. Bucinevich is going to get time with Hito. Kravtsov is going to get time with Hito. The, Hito's going to have good players around him all year long. So maybe maybe the real answer here is Filipito. And maybe Filipito, is it. I, I don't want to say he's for sure going to do it, but over 45 points this year as a second-line center? It's got to be within the realm of possibility.
1: It probably is. I think... I guess it's all about value and fantasy in general. I mean, you make a really compelling case for Heidel, but he's probably someone that's going to go really low in drafts for for a second line center. On it sounds team.
2: so it sounds even even like a, uh, an even better bet, probably. right? Because say say it was an auction, I would expect people would pay more money for Pavel Buchnevich than Philip Heidel. Yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm so sure.
2: If we're going pure, if you're going purely based off who's going to be available late in your draft and who's going to be a good bet for a lot of ice time. I think both those answers are Philip up
1: Almost certainly. Okay, let's get to our, our, our guest for today. Uh, man, I don't want to say her name because I'm going to butcher the last version of it. But <laughs> <laughs> butcher it anyway, knowing it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's Jillian Kermimer. We're going to ask her. But she's coming on to talk about uh, a bunch of stories from the KHL. She used to work for Wall Street. and Now she covers hockey uh, in the KHL in Moscow and uh, also KRS China in Beijing. So a little bit off the beaten path this week. Should be a fun interview. Haven't done it yet, obviously. And uh, we'll come back, and uh, we'll see you guys in about, I don't know, 0.3 seconds. Transition. A little bit of a change-up this week. We have a a guest that works as a reporter for the KHL. Her name is Jillian Kemmerer. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, Jillian, say hello.
3: Hey, you nailed that. I know.
1: And I got to tell you, that's really impressive for me because I butcher so many names. And, yeah, do I host a Podcast about hockey players and butcher their names all the time. Yes, I do. But thank you so much for coming on. I work for the KHL.
3: Like, try to say the Russian names when you're doing a play-by-play. It is a disaster. <laughs>
1: Just I can't. Try. I can't even imagine. So I don't know much about what you've done, but I know you work for the KHL now. It says on your Twitter profile you went from Wall Street to hockey. How did that transition happen? Like, where you're like, okay, I'm done with finances now. Let's go to board checks. <laughs> so.
3: I think, truth be told, it was more hockey, Wall Street hockey. So I grew up a hockey fan, kind of wanted to play. At the time, it didn't really feel like, as a woman, there were many options for playing. And I'm so glad that that's changed and women's hockey has become way more of a mainstream thing uh, all around the world. But I loved hockey, wanted to be a sports journalist. And then college came and hit me. New York rent came and hit me. And I just kind of wound up more in the business financial side reporting. But I always loved sports, was reporting on sports from the business side And when I finally got a chance to take a breather, I had gone from print to broadcast. I actually took a really cool fellowship to move to Russia. And as part of my opportunity to go as a foreign journalist to Russia, I thought this would be a really cool opportunity to transition my career. I was doing more sports on the sidelines. So I would say 70% finance, 30% sports. I thought, okay, I'm going to the land of hockey. I grew up in the 90s when the Russians were first coming to the NHL. I was absolutely starstruck by them it was a cool chance to make a transition and do it in a way that's not so obvious, a little unexpected. So I kind of hustled my way into the KHL once I got over there and I landed not speaking a word of Russian. So it was a bit of a crazy time. I think I slid into the DMs of every English speaking Russian possible and somehow found my way into the KHL. And I wound up as a locker room reporter for Kuman Red Star, which is the KHL's new expansion team in China, which has some kind of interesting connections with the New York Rangers.
1: Well so
2: go
3: ahead, much, Greg. Yeah, I have a how, lot of questions. How,
2: yeah, I, I'm just <laughs> I'm gonna start with so how many times have you spoken with Nigel Dawes? Because he was my first
3: favorite Hartford <laughs> Wolfpack player. Um, so first of all, Nigel does t- like posted the cutest photo today of his kind of back to school with optimal be um, with his son. So it looked like a first day of school for his kid, except he was in the business suit and his son was escorting him to work. He's amazing. And he actually is playing for one of the best teams in the KHL. They had, they went on absolute tear at the beginning of last season. It looked like the KHL was locked up and then they had a bit of a downslide more toward midseason. I actually have never gotten to talk to Nigel, which sucks so I'm hoping that that changes this season but yeah he's still a KHL mainstay
1: I guess so you said you spoke no Russian whatsoever and you were doing locker room interviews I I elaborate I just don't know how that happens (laughs) you're like the guys the guys come out you're like well I don't speak any Russian but I need to know about the game help me
3: yeah a lot of hand signals um basically I so now I speak a little bit of Russian but when I first landed I had two work opportunities, both of which I still kind of dabble in now, even from the States. The first is there's this newspaper in Russia called Sport Express. They're so kind of like a daily SI. And they never had an English language reporter who could go in and do in-depth interviews with their foreign players. And there are tons of NHL alumni sitting in the locker rooms and not just on the bench, but behind it. Like you guys, we've got guys like Bob Hartley from the Calgary Flames coaching in the KHL right now, and, and you've got Alexei Kovalev coaching at Kuman Red Star. So you have all of these interesting players and coaches there, and they were like, okay, interview them in English, we'll translate the interviews, but it was, it was kind of their first shot at getting a look inside how these guys are experiencing the KHL as foreigners, because you, you pick up an NHL player and you drop them off in Siberia. It's not going to be a perfect, seamless fit. And there were some really kind of fun and interesting stories about how these guys were integrating into locker rooms, not speaking Russian. Um, And the second bit is that Kunlun Red Star, even though they play in China, they are an an entirely English-speaking squad. It's the only English-speaking squad in the K. So, you know, you have places like Avant-Garde that are coached by Bob Harley, who's an English speaker, but there are a lot of Russians on that squad. Kunlun is mostly North Americans, a lot of North Americans of Chinese descent, some of whom were in NHL systems, et cetera, some of whom played in the NHL, like Brandon Yip and Victor Bartley. It's really interesting, and, and they needed an English speaker, so it was just kind of one of those right place, right time kind of deals.
2: Now, you mentioned to me before we started recording that you have Alexei Kovalev stories. And <laughs> I I am in a place, and you are in a place where I feel like everyone is now dying to know what these Alexei Kovalev stories are. <laughs>
3: Alexi I mean first of all what a guy so you know a rangers legend we don't even need to preface it on this we, podcast we do not he's a gold medalist I mean absolute hero father of the troll that was lost and then found poured champagne on its head in the post-game interviews I mean I, I could go on but he's also a jazz saxophonist a pilot I mean this man has done everything <laughs> and now he's bringing hockey to China he's bringing hockey to China And no joke, so he's making his coaching debut in the KHL. He managed a team in Switzerland. Um, Before that, you know, he had such a long NHL career. But this is the first time he's coaching. And watching him go through that process has been super interesting. Because if you talk to any Russian, and the first thing that they'll tell you, they love to make these really overdramatic, you know, amazingly emotional statements about hockey. But they'll be like, if you want to coach, you have to kill the player inside of you. And Alexei Kovalev has not done that yet he has not done that i think that he could still be playing he's still in playing shape and in practice he gets out and he plays against these guys and when they're doing two on two the spoiler alert electric club team wins every single time i mean he's still got the stick handling skills all of it so it's really fun to watch him coach because he can get on the ice and demonstrate to these guys what he wants from them so watching kobe do a stick handling exercise with a bunch of KHL players, I mean, it's a dream come true, and these guys absolutely love to be coached by him. So it's a very cool thing that's happening there. I'm excited to see where that goes. I think he needs to get a bit more vocal on the bench. Last season was his debut, so it's not really surprising that he wasn't. But it's just been cool. But I have to say, the funniest thing about him is that he almost signed a player contract in the 11th hour to get out on the ice for Cleveland last season. So they were having- wait, hold
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> how does that? How does that work? So he was coach. Right. He was he was officially the coach, right? And then he was going to be a player at the last second. And who would someone else would coach, or he would coach too? Sorry, I have a lot of questions.
3: It's like okay. So in terms of how he would have split his coaching and playing uh, requirements, I really couldn't tell you because it didn't come to fruition. But I'm in a cab in Moscow with my parents who are coming to visit Russia over Christmas. I, it's like almost Christmas Day. It's right around then. And I get this text message from Vladimir Maximov, who is one of my colleagues who is in Russia. And he's like, listen, we need to get a press release ready because Alexei Kovalev might be on the playing squad for Kuhlman. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? And he goes, we're getting really close to the deadline. Kuhlman's had 10 or 11 really bad injuries. So they just absolutely were shaken last season, mid-season, And There is a possibility of signing Kovalev to a player contract if we do it basically within the next two hours. So I'm sitting there pulling up every possible highlight video that we could get the rights to. I'm like trying to write a script. Oh my God, how do I explain this? And finally, it comes to pass that they don't sign him. I think that the ownership of the team was kind of worried about the optics there. But he's not off the table. I mean, I think they say he's off the table, but I don't know. I saw a whiteboard with a lot of players' names written on it, and I saw Kovalev on there, and I don't think they were talking about his kids. I think that, like, if they needed him to get out there, he could get out there. And he's 100% on board by the way. He was like, I want to play until I'm 50. And he could. If you go on his Instagram, all these Montreal fans, every time he posts, they're like, oh my God, Alexei, like you could still play, come up here, like come back. And in, I think if you told him that he could, he would get on it in a minute, just in a second.
1: And he's the head coach, just to be clear.
3: He's the assistant coach. The okay. head coach is Kurt Frazier.
1: Okay, because I, I was confused. I thought he was the head coach for a second. And I was like, that would make this even crazier. But to know that <laughs> he's know. not, <laughs> is, is good.
2: <laughs> the thing that blows from- mind is I can't believe Alexei Kovalev isn't already 50 years old how is he's 46 he's 46 yeah Yeah.
1: check that out oh my
2: goodness four
3: more playing years for Alexei Kovalev and he would do it he would do it and the guys like I mean they love when he gets out on the ice and shows them stuff I mean he's constantly besting them and you know he just he still has it he's still got it I don't know when he's gonna lose those hands I don't think he's going to anytime soon so I mean, stay tuned. Kuhnman gets hit with a torrent of injuries. I mean, that's the first jersey I would ever buy in the K, to be completely honest with you.
1: That's
2: awesome. Uh, I, I do. I bet you Kovalev could be more of a factor on the New York Rangers this year than Mark Stahl, but I guess that's beyond the point. Okay.
1: All right. Well, <laughs> Greg, calm down, man. Um, how, is, how is, I guess this is a pretty easy question to ask, but how has hockey been taken in China?
3: so it's it's going to be a rough road for them and i think that kuman red star has made some really interesting headway part of this whole deal so kuman i mean the story behind it reads kind of like a james bond plot so you have henady uh, tinshenko who's khl chairman he's a big time energy investor in russia he contacts his big time energy billionaire friend in china Dylan gok the owner of kuman red star and he's like yo billy put a khl team in china And we'll help you train up your Olympic team in 2022. And essentially, this is a good deal for him because China named hockey as one of their priority sports to do well in in 2022. And they didn't have any kind of Olympic program really in place ahead of this. There was some hockey being played more in the South where you have expats living like in Hong Kong and Shenzhen. You've got some Canadians and Americans there, but not much. So Bill Ngoc comes in. He puts this team in Beijing. Um, and originally it was in Shanghai. They've moved around a bit. Um, just kind of depending on where there's been arena space and Wayne Gretzky becomes our global ambassador. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in the outskirts of Beijing, like a couple kilometers out of the center of the city. And I'm sitting at Wayne Gretzky School of Hockey, which yeah. has recently been rebranded. And you have all these kids playing and, you know, they're young and this is the first round of, of real hockey training that they've had. Now, I mean, Dusty Emu, who's the goaltending coach for the LA Kings for a long time, is now the goaltending coach of Kerman Red Star. He's part of that Olympic movement. You've got some heavy-hitting talent in China. The question is, after 2022, what happens to hockey in China? And I hope the answer is that if they don't keep the KHL team, which is always a question, I hope they keep some of the, 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 like the groundwork they've laid for their youth teams and their programs. And their women's team, by the way. Absolutely kills it. They just got inducted into the Russian league after the dissolution of the North American league, so they have a chance to win it all. So Kuman's women—they had Nora Rati, who is, you know, one of the best goaltenders in, in women's hockey history, playing over there. She's an ambassador for them. Got to keep an eye on the Kuman women too. So that could really bring hockey to the forefront in China.
2: I know that was one of the. It was one of the excuses the NHL used for not going to the Olympics in South Korea because they were worried people wouldn't uh, back here in the States or in Canada wouldn't watch the games considering what hours they were on. But I also remember Bettman saying it's because we're putting all our chips towards China in 2022. So that, that sounds like it does vibe with what you're saying with everything going on in Kunlun.
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, it is, it's interesting with Batman and, and the Olympics. I, I have a personal, very strong disagreement with him not allowing NHL players to go. I think it's such an opportunity, but You know, I think with China, what's going to be kind of fun, if if Butman doesn't allow the NHL players to go, ultimately, is that, number one, you're going to have a lot of the the great Russians in the KHL who are prospects or ex-NHL players going for Russia. And in China, you're going to have guys that were North American Chinese who played in the NHL, like Bartley, like Yip, as I mentioned, who are expected to naturalize. In time to compete for china in 2022 and if that's the case china's gonna have a roster of ex-nhl players sitting there who are in fighting and playing in the khl so i don't know hockey in the 2022 olympics could be really interesting even though it lacks some of the mainstream names because it's still going to have ex-nhlers and they're going to be popping up in kind of the funniest of places
1: What's the atmosphere like in those those arenas? Just out of curiosity, because um, obviously oh, hockey right? hockey hockey in North America is pretty raucous. I don't know mm-hmm. what it would be like in in Asia.
3: Um, and so in China, they've struggled. At least in, at the beginning of last season, they were in Shanghai, and that's not their home. And so they were there because they were still developing a stadium in Beijing. Um, and a lot of their stadiums are either enormous or too small. The KHL has regulations around capacity. So in Shanghai, they weren't marketing the team and they were getting nobody. It was like crickets. There were a handful of people coming and, you know, it, it's part of the like DJing in the KHL. I've got a real issue with how KHL games are DJed across all of Russia because it's kind of like they're lost somewhere between 1998 and 2001. Can you explain that, that a little further, though? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> So the DJs have not updated their playlists since approximately um, 2001 A Space Odyssey came out. So you've got like (laughs) these absurd playlists. They don't bleep anything. So they'll play like the most explicit rap music. Nothing bleeped because they don't understand it. And then they kind of screw up these random things. So you know how like it's kind of natural that you would play something related to the Mighty Ducks during a hockey game? they will instead play the theme song from DuckTales. And I'm like, okay, I think I kind of get why you're playing this because you hold on. <laughs> them with Mighty Ducks. Are you <laughs> saying they play the
1: DuckTales theme at KHL games? Like, DuckTales, <laughs> Yeah, but, that, yeah, but that They
2: doesn't, played that it doesn't,
3: at the playoffs. They play the theme <laughs> the, uh, arena at the playoffs. And I'm that doesn't, there, and the, the Russians are bopping along, and I'm like, I feel like I'm from another duck I
0: just,
3: Have DuckTales.
2: Have you ever considered that maybe they just wanted to play the DuckTales theme? That sounds like a great time. I'd go nuts if you the DuckTales what? theme started playing. Who
3: am I to judge? Who, who am <laughs> I to judge their desire to play the Ducktail theme song? It's ridiculous. But in China, the funny thing was, so I got to know some of the players, and they were having a bit of a rough time because of the atmosphere in Shanghai. I mean, it's hard to play for a crowd that's small or that's not. And I mean, I have to say that when they did get their regulars, they were involved. They were chanting. You know, they want to. They, the Chinese love sports. They do, and they consume it. So I think that there's possibilities there, but you know, I went to the guys and I was like, your warm-up playlist sounds like a Nokia ringtone from 1996. And I really want to change that because that's what you're coming out, in, you know, on the ice to. So they gave me a playlist of songs. So I go to the DJ in Shanghai and I'm like, okay, can you play these five songs? I've cut them for you. I bleeped some of them for you. Like here's one, here's two, here's three, here's four, here's five. You
1: did the and audio did editing stuff. for them too? Okay. You're like, yeah, I'm going to bleep everything out.
3: Yes, I, we, my, my colleagues Vladimir and I literally sat down. And we like cut the intros and the outros so they weren't too long. I mean, it was like Armand Van Buren up in there, so we were really trying to make it easy. We give it to the DJ. The warm up begins. Like they wanted to come out to Meek Mill, you know? Okay, great. The song starts, and then all of a sudden he decides to play all five songs at the exact same time. So it is like Meek Mill, Drake, Kanye West, everybody playing at the exact same time. It was like living in a fun house. And I'm standing on the bench and I'm looking at the players and they're looking at me and I'm like, this is a disaster. And the DJ is up there jamming away, does not understand English, so he doesn't realize what's going on. I was like, okay, I'm never stepping in with KHL music ever again. I give up, Ducktails it is. End of
1: story. I, I can't get over the DuckTales thing. I just <laughs> – <I>, I'm truly <laughs> stuck on it. I, I If I was at Madison Square Garden and in the middle of them play, they started to play the DuckTales theme song, I'd have a fit. I would be like, this is the best I mean, moment of my suggest life. it. Right? I'll, Someone should request it. I'll Listen, I'll reach out to MSG. They ignore all my emails, just in case you're wondering. Um,
3: can't you get Mark Messier to be like, I'm Mark Messier, and we want to hear DuckTales at the next New York Rangers. I, you know what? Yeah.
1: I, you know, I
2: think you know, we could do. Right. we do have all this. We do have all the sponsor money coming in That's now, true, so we got to put. True we got to reinvest
1: it. Uh, yes, uh, I don't even know where to go with for the for the next uh, question for the KHL. Because <laughs> oh, I just.
2: Go- oh, I I I got one that because um, I saw this earlier or over the weekend, and it, it actually really intrigued me. So the KHL, unlike the NHL, there is no regulation size rink. So teams but, can change the size of the rink kind of to match their play style uh, as someone I mean, you obviously have seen infinitely more KHL games than I have in my entire life. How does, do you, do you think that's something that NHL should integrate? Do you think it's like, is it interesting? We see it all the time in baseball, right? Like no baseball stadium necessarily is the same exact outfield dimensions as the next, but I, I wonder how it translates in a professional hockey league. Like it does in the KHL where, cska could be playing on one size ice and kundling could be playing on another
3: yeah it's a really interesting issue and and the khl has committed to regulating the size toward nhl standards after the IIHF said that they wanted world championships played on nhl size ice so if you look across the khl i think nhl ice size in meters is something like 61 by 26. in the khl you could have 60 by 26 60 by 28 60 by 30 which in feet, I believe it like its largest size is 13 feet larger in width. That's not, not an issue. You know, it, it definitely does impact playing style. And I think you can evade defenders a little bit more easily. And it's especially difficult for the goaltenders because now they have to manage their angles differently. I always thought it was kind of fun. And in fact, I used to do preview videos for Crewman Star, and my, my colleague Vladimir and I would write scripts that were you know, helping fans to think about three important factors ahead of the game. And we tried to incorporate some kind of, like, cultural stuff because we knew that a lot of the fans watching Kuman were going for NHL players and not necessarily knowing much about the KHL. So, for example, you know, at Vladivostok, at Admiral's arena, it's called the Satisov. It's named for uh, Soviet defense and Slava Satisov. That's a smaller arena in the KHL. So you always have to watch the goaltenders because they're a little bit more susceptible to the ricochets in the corners. That's interesting in my opinion. And, and, you know, the, the ice eyes, I think the NHL ice eyes just lend to the focus on speed a bit more, but you know, I think with the traditional Russian style of play that's highly creative, highly skilled, having a little bit more room to play in gives you a little bit more time on the puck. I always kind of liked the variation. I can understand as a player or a coach why that would be frustrating Maybe from a league perspective, it's important to have regulated ice size across the board. So, you know, I think for me as a fan, it might be kind of interesting to look at the differences. But those differences at the end of the day will be fairly muted.
2: So what you're saying is I should be even more encouraged that Igor Shosturkin was incredible in the KHL because it's harder to be a goalie in Russia.
3: (laughs) You should definitely be excited about Igor. I mean, besides the fact that no one's going to be able to pronounce his name, and it's going to be so much fun to listen to the broadcasters stumble all over that. That's me. Uh, uh, you should. Season. You should
2: really listen to how Ryan tries. I, I, it I, is uh, adorable.
1: Just Sturkin. I, Ryan, I, go on. I, it's just. <laughs> thank you. I think it's just I think I go with Igor's. <laughs> just no. Nope. Nope. It's just uh, Yep. I'm good. Thank you.
3: <laughs> Igor. Igor. Period. I, that's story. what I do. Thank like you. Ronaldinho. One name.
1: Yep. <laughs> that's it. Igor. That's all I do
3: um yeah, i mean you should be excited about igor first of all um his goals against average across his career in the k is 168 that's the best and across this season he had 1.11 goals against average in 28 games for scott which again is league best i think you know he was absolutely fantastic Ska is an extremely difficult team it's a, t- a tough team to get uh, a lot of ice time on when you're a veteran because it's one of the most stacked squads in the khl they were second in the West at the end of the regular season. So it, overall, Igor's been tested for sure. And he's going to be a really interesting guy. You drafted him, what, in 2014? So you've been waiting for him for a while, yeah?
1: We have been, yes. Yeah,
2: we've been letting him cook.
1: He's sort of yeah, been a legend, like, a, like a, a myth for Ranger fans, like the mysterious <laughs> Ranger, Ranger Russian goalie prospect who is lighting up, not lighting up, but rather marveling in the KHL.
3: Yeah, he's he's fantastic. And in the All Star game he was hilarious because they obviously they had all the guys taking shots on him. So he just goes ahead, dislodges the net, pushes it against the boards and then sits down and refuses <laughs> to take any more shots. It was great. But I think he could be a, a cool personality too. I mean, I you gotta love Russian goaltenders. They always come with like a bit of a personality. So I think he's going to be a good addition, and then of course you got Kravtsov, too. I mean, that's a really exciting addition, in my opinion, to your roster from Russia this season.
1: What could you tell yeah, us before, about Kravtsov that we well, might well, not know? Oh, go,
2: yeah, before before we start uh, drooling over Kravtsov, just another point to you. I don't know if you saw the video of there was like a joint prospect camp with Rangers and Devils prospects uh, last week. Yes, exactly. Yes. And Igor was just set up in one of the, uh, I think it was the right circle, just taking slap shots into an open net with his goalie stick. That's all he was doing. He didn't have interest in mm-hmm. doing anything else.
3: And the story, I mean, just like the All-Star game. He was like, you fools <laughs> can keep on keep on using all your energy. I'm done. I'm sitting here. I'm ready. I don't know. I think he's going to be fun for you. And I think that you've been waiting for him a while smartly. He's gotten a lot of good time at the K. And, you know, I always think it's so hilarious how – Everyone panics when you draft uh, a Russian hockey player early. Like, a lot of people were pissed when you took Krasov at we, ninth overall.
2: You're
1: talking to the two people who were very upset.
2: Yeah, we, okay. we were big Oliver Wallstrom boys, so we were very sad.
3: And that, Okay, that's fair when you have a, your heart set on a particular player. But there's a general bias around drafting Russians, especially drafting them early because there's this fear that they're not going to come. And I think it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, everyone still has their PTSD from the late 80s, early 90s, when the Detroit Red Wings were sneaking guys out of windows with duffel bags full of cash. And I can't believe that happened in our lifetimes, but it did. Now, you know, I understand that these guys honor their contracts in the K, but good on them that they do. And it's not a bad place to cook in, especially if you're on a squad like Ska. So for Igor, I think it was exactly where he needed to be. And, and it's kind of exciting to see him finally coming over before we drill over Kravtsov, of course.
2: Well, that, it's, it's an interesting um, turn of face, really, because for all intents and purposes, Kravtsov on track are not exactly a Russian League powerhouse, but because they weren't a powerhouse, here's this teenager getting top-line minutes and being fairly good in those top-line minutes. It Was it actually more beneficial for Krasov to play on what's generally viewed as a second division team than it was for mm. him to possibly be getting third line or fourth line minutes on a powerhouse team?
3: So Tractor and Chelyabinsk, obviously not a powerhouse KHL team. They're in the top division in terms of, I mean, they're, they're, they are playing in the K proper, but they were second to last in their division at the end of last season um but i think in terms of who he's up against and the talent around the k and the amount of ice time he's got it is a good test for him and when you look at the stats okay i understand that with tractor it's sort of hard to have standout stats when you don't have standout teammates and, and it's not a super competitive squad but he got 21 points in the regular season and he was second only to a really big 10 KHL veteran, in mind so when you think about the fact that he's a 19 year old this is pretty good overall, and he was the KHL Rookie of the Year when he debuted, which is not an easy title to take when you've got Finnish rookies and Russian rookies, and actually, funny enough, when Kravtsov was named Rookie of the Year, they interviewed him, and he had a really good playoff run, which definitely contributed to why he got chosen, but there was this other Finn, Tolvanen, who played for Jokerit, and Kravtsov was like, you know what? He was really good. So if he wants me to give the trophy to him, I will. Like he probably should have gotten it. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. That's, wow. I didn't, that's
1: nice. <laughs> I didn't actually see that coming because Kraftsov seems like he oozes swag. Like just oozes it.
3: Yeah, he well, he does kind of. And and I think on the ice, you know, he was when he was scouted by the NHL Central Scouting Service, I believe they said that he was the third best. European skater, second or third. So he does have, he's got a flag on the ice. He's, he's a smooth kid. He, he speaks sort of English, which is always important when we look at these guys coming out of Russia, but he led all the under 20s this season in, in goals, assists, and points in the KHL. That's no small feat. You know, I know he wasn't playing for a standout team, but I think he's going to be really good for you. I'm excited about seeing him. And, and I think it's maybe more important because we don't like tractor or I'm not going to say, I don't like tractor because I'm a KHL reporter, but because we, <laughs> we we're looking at tractors, maybe not stop or say a um, I think it's maybe kind of nice to look at how he did in the IHF world juniors because the Russian junior team is great. And he, again, was a standout player, even within that squad, which was filled with NHL prospects. He had the newest number of shots on goal led the team in that. And I think he was fourth or tied for fourth in points. So he was doing pretty well. So I think saw there, there are things to be excited about there. And I wouldn't be so worried about the fact, I mean, I think we can't really worry about it now because it's so long ago that you drafted him so early on.
2: Yeah. And I, I just, I just want to go back just because I, I feel like it's worth highlighting. Ducktails The the player, the player that you mentioned, he beat out for rookie of the year. That's Ely and Every Ranger yeah. fan drools over him. Because he looked so good for the Predators so early on and then kind of sort of petered out a little bit after that. But yeah, it's it's not like he just he didn't just beat out just another guy in Russia. He beat out someone a lot of people consider one of the best prospects in the NHL today
3: that's what I'm saying when we're talking about prospects and we're talking about rookies in the K you have to pay attention because these guys are a lot of them already have signed away their rights in the NHL or have been drafted so these guys are are good and they're they're getting their training ground there so when you're thinking about the competitiveness of, of their under 20 uh, group, especially when you look at the fact that Kravtsov led the under-20s this season, it's a pretty substantial group. So, you know, you might be able to dismiss the competitiveness of the team he was on, but you can't dismiss the environment he's playing in overall.
1: I guess the last Russian player we kind of need to talk about is Rykov. Um, have you uh, seen seen any of him?
3: I have. Um, he had a bit of an interesting scenario. So he was playing for Scott in St. Petersburg, again, top brass of the KHL. He won – the, um, the Gagarin Cups with Ska. And then he went to Sochi at the, I guess, like I think October of last season. I don't remember exactly when he went. He didn't have a great time in Sochi. And Sochi didn't have a great time overall. Um, so pretty not stellar season for either of them. But two seasons ago, he was getting about 12 minutes a game for Ska. This is not an insignificant number when you think about how stacked that squad is and how unlikely it is to give a player as young as him a fighting shot. So I would say it's going to be interesting to see him in Traverse city. Like that's, he's probably the one I'm going to be watching the most closely because I think his spot on the roster is the the least clear. Mm -hmm. But one interesting thing that you may not realize, and and I don't know if you've been following him in Sochi at all. He was playing under Zubov, who's their head coach.
1: Oh, no, I did not realize that. Um, I guess
3: I, 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 Rangers connection.
1: Look, now I know Zubov is actually one of, uh, one of our, I guess co-workers uh, favorite players of all time. But uh cool. to to I don't know if Rykov's going to make the team. I'm not really sure what his potential is. Can you tell me like what's like something that he stands out doing? I know you said he struggled in Sochi. Like what's something I, I should look forward to with him?
3: I've heard that generally he's a pretty good skater. Now, I have to say watching the KHL with him averaging 12 minutes of ice time, I can't give yeah. you a whole lot You're of color right. because that's when I was over there, but I've heard he's a good skater. Um, he had 12 points, I believe, for Ska a couple of seasons ago. So for average of 12 points a game, okay, Like, let's see what he can do. I think he's going to be one to be tested, and it's always interesting to see how deep your your squad of d prospects goes. So I'm, I'm excited to see him and to see what he contributes because I think he probably didn't have the chance that others had uh, to stand out in a squad like Sochi. So let's see what he does when he's out against all of his other Ranger prospect contenders.
1: Final question. With the recession coming, what should I be investing in?
3: <laughs> well, if you believe a recession is coming, you should look at mainstays like uh, gold, for example. But okay. can you like absolutely not get Invest in DuckTales soundtrack. I mean, <laughs> come on. Hang it all over the cage,
2: That's uh, it. All I know is it, it
1: sure looked like Scrooge McDuck had it figured out. All right? He really
3: did. I mean, his <laughs> gold
1: did. is there. Uh, Jillian, thank you so much for coming. Why don't you plug uh, everything you do?
3: Oh, awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. I cannot wait to see the Russian invasion on Broadway. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jillian Kemmer K-E-M-M-E-R-E-R. I know it's a tough one. Um, otherwise, I have a blog where I've interviewed a lot of guys, including Alexei Kovalev. That's at But Guys, this is fun. Let's do it again when the Russians actually invade Broadway.
1: Absolutely. That'll be coming soon. I will be very excited. They'll be joining my Lord and Savior, Kapokako. I appreciate you coming on. Praise uh, be. Praise be. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and we will have you back on the season. Thank you so much.
3: Sounds great. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Life is like a
0: hurricane Here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, aeroplanes. It's a duck blur. Might solve a mystery.
1: All right, the Mets season's over. We had a great interview. It's the last week before we have real hockey to talk about. If you get the chance this weekend, watch some Capacacco. Watch some Kraftstov, Watch some Adam Fox. Hopefully they do well. They're probably going to shit the bed at the tournament as they always do, but we'll see. If you want to come join us, September 14th, 3 p.m., The Gin Mill, our 200th live show with Blue Shirts Banter. Be there. Tickets are on sale now. You can find them on our Twitters. We'll be retweeting it like a lot over the next week. If you're in Vegas starting this Thursday for the next seven days after that, Hit me up on Twitter. I'm around. I probably don't have anything to do other than work. So let me know. Uh, and uh, anything else we want to cover before we go? Oh, yes, of course. That's right. Our Patreon subscribers cannot do without them. The people who make this possible want to give a quick shout-out to Opie, Brian Doyle, Tori for Manhattan, Thomas O'Neill, Eric Stagg, Mike Smith, Ben Weber, Billy Huff, a newcomer, and uh, ben, ben Waters, Sean Taggart. And I laugh because I have to say this name, Johnny Thundercock.
2: <laughs> i forgot i forgot about jt
1: you forgot about johnny thundercock he's uh, one of our I, you supporters. know did. um thank you guys so much uh if you're listening and you're wondering where's my church of caco video of ryan it's coming we're trying to work on a new costume and uh got a lot planned this month and we're going to be releasing our bonus podcast in the next few weeks too for the patron subscribers so stay tuned uh we love you guys you can follow greg and his Mets for Ants at blue Shirts break and you can follow me at o. Ryan mead and we will talk to you guys next week where we could talk about Kapokako legitimately playing hockey and get me all riled up. Praise be, everybody. Bye.
2: This is the story of the
0: one.